Hello, and welcome to the Gravel Ride Podcast. I'm your host, Craig Dalton. This week's podcast is brought to you by our friends at the nonprofit Bike Index. Bike Index is a free bicycle registry and stolen bike recovery platform. Having recovered over $13 million in stolen bicycles, Bike Index is really making a dent in crime. Bike Index is currently at its end-of-year fundraising campaign. Donations can be made at bikeindex.org donate. This week on the podcast, we've got John Vargas from Orange Seal. John gets into a little bit of the history of the company and the ins and outs of tire sealant, why it's beneficial to gravel riders, some installation tips, and some great maintenance advice on how to keep your sealant topped off. As an interesting side note, the idea for this podcast actually came from the Ridership Forum. There was a community member who made a post about tire sealant going into winter, and I started thinking about who do I know who could answer all these great questions. So it was a real pleasure getting to talk to John. With all that said, let's dive right into this week's interview. John, welcome to the show. Hey, morning. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm excited to dig into the topic of sealant because, uh, you know, as I was mentioning to you offline, I'm surprised that, you know, a number of my listeners are still running tubes. And I think the advantages of sealant are so vast that I really want to convey a lot of good information to them. Before we dig into the details, can you just tell us a little bit about Orange Seal, where you're located and how the company came about? Yeah, no, I'd love to. Um, so we started Orange Seal in 2011. Actually, the the process started about two years ahead of that. We had uh, started with a ride across the parking lot, and we had picked up a shard of glass or something that was not sealing. Um, So my partner, uh, or my best friend at the time, and now partner, said, "You know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna make something." So he worked on it for about two and a half years. And uh, we finally got the formula where it was performing at or better than the sealants that were on the market at the time. We didn't want to just develop another mousetrap. We wanted to take the best and the worst of all the sealants in the market and design something different. Uh, We looked at natural and we looked at synthetic latex. We looked latex. We looked at other materials and what we came back to is latex uh natural latex is the best plugging material and so then we just had to refine our formula so that uh, we could actually adhere to the rubber versus just creating a plug and that's what makes our formulas very different is that once we create a plug, it's a permanent plug and it adheres from the inside out. So it's like inserting um, a plug or a bacon strip from the outside, but we do it from the inside out. And we coat the inside of the tire. What most people don't realize is uh, today's tires, especially today, are getting lighter, faster, thinner, and so they're a lot more porous. Rubber is very porous by by default. And so our latex actually goes in and seals up all of that porosity and creates a, a, a sealed cavity so that you can hold your pressures longer. And what another area that people don't realize there's major leakage is in the tire bead mating surface. And we go in and seal up those imperfections in the tire bead mating surface. And so 
uh, when you seal up the tire bead mating surface, you seal up the porosity, and you seal up anything that comes in from the external, uh, you've got a pretty bulletproof system. And as we all know, not one formula is going to fit every single environment and every type of terrain and such and climate. So we have three formulas we came up with, our regular formula, our endurance formula, and our sub-zero formula. Uh, regular is really was our original formula. It's designed to seal faster, bigger holes, while the endurance, it was formulated to last longer um, and not seal as fast, but still seals permanently. And then we created the sub-zero for really when the fat bikes took off and riding in uh, extreme cold climates down to minus 20 was necessary because you don't want to be changing a flat at minus 20. And so we've had huge success with the equivalent of the Iditarod. Uh, Rebecca Rush has run our sealant several times in the fat bike Iditarod race and very successful Jay, um, I can't think of his last name, did very well. Um, so we have three formulas, each geared towards climate and sealing capability. And uh, we also have uh, Versa valves, which work into, if you're on tubes still, you've got to look at a taping mechanism, a tubeless valve system, and a sealant, which we can talk about in a second. Yeah, there's a ton I want to unpack there, John. Um question for you about when you guys were originally working on the formula, did, did either of you have a sort of a chemical engineering background or were you just so passionate about solving the problem that you did research over those two years and figured out what could work and what wouldn't work? Yeah. So, um, my partner does have a little bit of a chemical mad scientist background and he was just, I think we were all passionate. There was a group of uh, about 10 of us and we were all passionate in cycling and we were tired of putting, uh, tubes into, uh, tires. And so, uh, just became very passionate about solving the problem. Amazing. Yeah. It's amazing what you can solve as an entrepreneur when you really dig into it, whether your professional experience leads you to that point or you're just passionate about figuring something out. We, you set the stage a little bit, but I want, really want to make sure the listener who's unaccustomed to the idea of sealant understands what we're talking about. Historically, bicycle tubes have had an inner tube inside that you inflate and it pushes against the tire wall. Can you tell us about what, how sealant works and how it's different from that setup? Sure. So um, traditionally, uh, like you mentioned uh, tubes have come in in tires. You inflate them. It keeps the uh, tire into the bead so that it doesn't fall off the rim, so to speak. And it holds air on the inside because tubeless tires were even more porous and did not have a hook into the rim. As tubeless tires evolved, they've created a bead hook, which allows the tire to Stay on the rim and mounted securely, even when hitting large rocks and jumps and all that good stuff. Uh, so the tube is, it was multifunction. It was two purposes, holding air in the tire and keeping the bead attached, uh, keeping the tire attached at the bead. 
So if you remove that, now you've got to, um, you've got the possibility of spoke holes, um, and you've got to cover that up with tape. Um, and then you will need to insert a tubeless valve, which is no longer connected to a vinyl tube or a butyl tube. Yeah, I think that's an interesting visual. So when you're looking at a tubeless tire, it doesn't look any different because you still have the valve core coming out that you use to inflate the tire. But when you have the tire off the rim, what you'll see as a as an owner is that you've just got uh, tape around the rim to cover the nipples, as you mentioned, but then that valve sticking out. When the tire gets on and you put the sealant into the tire, that's what creates the seal that you're able to inflate against. Right. So, I mean, really, we just add, a, we seal off the imperfections in the bead uh, tire mating surface. But really, the air, that's why you, um, when you go to tubeless, you have to have a, initially a high um, volume of initial air to pop the bead or pop the tire into the channel um, for the rim. And so you either need to have an air compressor or a high volume pump um, or a friend that can take a standard pump and just go uh, really uh, high volume pumping that up. But there's some tips and tricks to, to getting a tire inflated, which we can cover in a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. I remember in sort of the early days, I just had that one friend who had a tire compressor, an air compressor. And I would have to go there every single time I wanted to change the tire because he was the only one who could give me that burst of air you were describing that sort of pops the uh, pops it against the rim and gets that steel seal started. Yeah, I mean, every neighborhood, there's always one guy on the street that has an air compressor and is, uh, he's, he's going to be your friend to setting up tires tubeless. But today's today's tires are are getting more, um, they're more easily set into the B standard high pressure pumps and such. I mean, Alex Wild, he recently just set up his tires with a standard pump, um, brand new tires and orange seal and tubeless valves and a standard pump. And like I said, there's little tips that you can do to get the tires started onto the shoulder, which will set it into the bead, which we can cover in more detail when we talk about setting up tubeless. Yeah. Yeah. And it's interesting. I had a set of tires, a set of slicks this year that were so porous that I could just see every time I pumped them up, I could see little bits of the white sealant coming through um, the actual you know, rubber of the tire. And I was, I was really quite surprised by that. Yeah, I mean, they're just getting everybody today wants lighter, faster, thinner. Um, and so it's like, you know, when you add the the materials, the Kevlar strips in there to stop punctures, the tire becomes very heavy. Nobody wants to ride on tractor tires um, when they're trying to go uphill or, or run through a rock garden. Um, so that's why downhill tires are they're still pretty beefy and xc tires are very lightweight i mean even my racers today and the orange seal off-road team pacing and hannah both are always wanting lighter faster tires but they don't want punctures so they rely heavily upon the sealant and punctures are not just center of tread they're going to be on the sidewalls as well 
uh, because riders are, are, are tackling more features, more exposure, and just really pushing the limits of, of what we used to do in the, maybe 20 years ago. Yeah, I have to say the first time I got a puncture with sealant in a tire and it started spray out and eventually sealed, it was one of those eureka moments because you know darn well you would have been sitting on the side of the trail changing that tube and spending a lot of time. And when the sealant can just do its job while you're still rolling and potentially even seal it before you lose a significant amount of air, it's such an amazing benefit. Oh, yeah, exactly. And we call it the badge of honor uh, when you uh, get a puncture and the spray is is seals up in three revolutions, so to speak. And the person behind you is going, uh, hey, you're spraying me. Well, it's three revolutions and done. I remember one time we were out riding and I my wife's like, hey, you're you're spraying back here. And it, my tire was spewing and it sealed up and we just kept on going. Yeah. Yeah. I I remember vividly this year, just getting hit from behind with some spray and wondering what the heck is going on. And then I, you know, it finally dawned on me like, oh, there's not any water going on. It's a a big hole in my tire and I'm being sprayed with sealant. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's definitely a badge of honor. We, we consider it a badge of honor. You mentioned some of the sort of setup tricks that you guys have explored and figured out over the years. What are a couple of the top ones that our listeners should learn about? Sure. So um, when mounting a tubeless tire, let's just kind of take it from A to Z real quick. Uh, first thing, we always, if it's a brand new connection or a brand new setup on a tire rim, specif- uh, a new setup on a new tire and rim, you definitely want to do it dry uh, to make sure that you don't have any additional problems because a lot of first-time users, they'll put the sealant in and expect it to just automatically seat. And then they waste sealant. They get frustrated because it spills on the floor. So I always recommend set the bead first. And so the way you do that is you – I know it's. I'm going to try to visually explain what I'm visually walking through with my hands here – uh, you definitely want to start opposite of the valve stem and pop the beat, pop the tire into the center of the channel um, on one side, get it mounted all the way because the specifications between tire and wheel uh, varies in the industry. So there are certain tire wheel combos that are going to fit tighter than other wheel combos. So you may have to really use one, two, three lever tire levers to get it on there um so get it in the center of the channel away from the valve stem because the valve stem creates additional depth uh that takes away from mounting then once you get that one side on then you go back to your opposite of your valve stem start putting it in the channel and bring it around uh and pop it all the way on hopefully you don't need tire levers now um if it's really loose uh, if it's that tight, let's go back to how tight it is first. If you have a really tight fitting one, uh, you may need a little lubricant to get the tire up on the shoulder so it can seat down in the bead. And you can use a slight lubricant. I just put a little bit of sealing in there um, around the tire bead and just let it run all the way down and then hit it with a blast of air. Now, you can leave the valve core in 
but that does restrict airflow. So I would remove the valve core and then inject it with the air. Wait till you hear the pops, but never, never exceed the tire manufacturer's recommended uh, maximum air pressure. For a mountain bike tire, it's anywhere from 40 to 40, 50 PSI. Don't ever exceed that because what's going to happen is you're going to blow the tire off the rim and that's not going to be fun for anyone, especially if you have sealant in there. It's going to go all over the garage. You Hopefully, you're not doing it in the house on the Persian rug. We've had people write in, hey, how do I get sealant out of the Persian rug? <laughs> we don't recommend doing that in the house. Definitely keep it in the garage. <laughs> hey, John, one question for you. I had used um, a very light mixture of sort of dish soap and water historically to kind of make the rubber slide up against the sidewalls more quickly when I'm popping it on. Is that advisable or am I making an error there? Uh, I definitely don't recommend the dishwashing soap. Uh, It definitely, you're going to get, it creates a a bubbling effect inside if some does get in with the sealant. Uh, You don't want to, it will dilute the sealant. So like I say, I would first try just sealant itself it does have a little bit of a slipperiness to it uh and then there are some uh tire manufacturers that make a special uh applicator like schwalbe that has their um tire mounting soap uh i would just use as minimal as possible and then i would also um so if that fits if it's really tight fitting another trick you can do is you can take your tire lever you go down and grab it out of the center of the channel and pull it up onto the shoulder right around the valve stem and take it as far as you can and put it on the shoulder. That will help immensely setting it into the bead. And then if you could do that on both sides, you could set it up with an air pump. I imagine you guys have some videos of these techniques somewhere. Is that true? Ah. Uh, we don't actually. Okay. We're working on our video series. There will be some next year. Gotcha. Gotcha. Some of this, as you said, is a little bit hard to visualize, but once you get in there and you try it for yourself, you start to realize like why these tips are out there. Yep. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's daunting as your first time at, uh, but once you get through it, it's really simple and you can do it like an old pro in no time. Exactly. So you talked about a tight tire. What, what, how do you approach a loose tire? Yeah, loose tire. You definitely want to use your tire lever, get both sides up onto the shoulders, and you can almost kind of push it into the shoulder. And then with a loose tire, you're really going to need that air compressor blast of air um, initially to set it. And if it's too loose, I would almost recommend against it. I mean, most tire uh, wheel combos are, are pretty pretty tight. If, if it's too loose, it's definitely not. It's going to become unsafe because what's going to happen when you go into a turn? I mean, the beautiful thing about tubeless is you get to run lower tire pressures, side uh, more gripping on the on the rocks and such. And when you're at lower tire pressure and you're taking a, a railing on a turn, you don't want your sidewall to to flex and pull it out of the bead. 
So I always be very cautious about someone that's mounting a really loose tire. If you don't, if you don't need tire levers to get it on, I would probably say it's too loose. Now there's things that you can do to make that tighter, but, um, you can put a layer of gorilla tape in there on the shoulders because it's thicker. Um, and there are certain tire wheel combos you definitely don't want to use gorilla tape on because it creates too much of a of a spacer in there and you'll never get your tire off. I've had one tire wheel combo that it took me two hours and I ended up cutting the tire off because they had used a gorilla tape to cover the spoke holes and they went from bead to bead. And so that was just absolutely horrible. Oh geez. Most of the tire rim combinations I've tried on the gravel space, when you're taking a tire from a quality manufacturer, the fits have generally been uh, quite good from my experience. Most definitely. And there's so many good gravel tires and wheels out now. Back about five years ago when gravel was just kind of still getting its foothold, it was a little bit uh, tougher. But yeah, there's so many good tire wheel combos today. So now that you've got the tire on without sealant in there, and hopefully the listener by now has, has thought about removing the valve core as being the right approach, do you advocate inserting the lubricant just via the, the valve core, via the valve? I, I definitely do, and that's why we, uh, we have an injection system attached to our 4-ounce and 8-ounce bottles, um, and you just slide that over and inject your... Uh, on a gravel tire, one to two ounces. Um, and then while you're there, we also include a dipstick with our sealant. Um, the little black thing, it's coffee stir, bourbon stir, AKA uh, sealant checker. Um, you definitely want to stick that in there, get a measurement. And that's what you're going to use to check your sealant levels every 30 to 45 days, just like you check your air t- pressure every week you want to check your sealant with the dipstick uh, because every time you break the bead you are just creating additional workload i mean that was another thing that we wanted our sealant to do um, that other sealants didn't is we didn't want it we didn't want the user to have to open up their tire to remove um, things that had built up in there that were free floating uh, called asteroids or whatever monsters. Um, there's no reason to check your sealant with the orange seal. Just keep topping it off. I mean, I have tires on one, two years and I just top them off whenever the dipstick tells me to add some. And I just pulled the tire off my mountain bike that I've been riding here lately on the road a lot lately throughout the year. And, uh, I mean, I wore the rubber out, and there's not a huge buildup on the inside. Because remember, I mean, people always worry, well, if I keep topping it off, do I need to peel out the inside layer? Is it adding weight? You're taking weight off because you're burning rubber, the lugs off, at a greater amount that you're adding more weight because a lot of it is dissipating in uh, when it dries out. So for a 700 by 40 gravel tire, how much sealant are you putting in? I would, I mean, you can't go wrong with two ounces. One and a half is, is sufficient. I would say two ounces can't go wrong. It's not going to hurt you. Uh, there's been several studies done. Does it add to rolling resistance? 
um, and it doesn't. Uh, we support one of our professional world tour road teams, the Israeli startup nation, and they just did some extensive testing uh, with one and a half ounces in a 25C tire, and there was negligible uh, rolling loss uh, watts, a negligible amount of watts lost. Okay. So, and going back, just so I understand correctly, with the, the dipstick you provide, am I sort of holding the, the valve core is removed, I'm just sliding it through the valve and sort of testing how much sealant is pooled down there at the bottom? Yep. It's just like checking the oil on your car. You want to make sure the valve is at the six o'clock position, and then you just stick your valve uh, dipstick down in there. And based upon, I mean, you know, people always ask, well, what mark do I set it to? Well, there's so many different widths and depths of tires that we recommend that when you put in the initial two ounces, stick it in there and get a mental measuring check mark, so to speak. The key is if you stick it down in there and nothing comes out, then you're definitely empty and you need to top off. Um, I've got a healthy fear that when I do that later today in my current set of tires, that it's going to be bone dry. All right. Well, make sure you post pictures. It'll be great visual. <laughs> so just to help the, to drive the point home. So when you have sealant inside the tire and you, you get a, you know, a nail goes through or a staple or what have you, what, ha what's going on on the inside? What is that liquid doing for us? Yep. So, um, you know, we always like to say we train the monkey to find the hole. And uh, when a nail comes in, uh, it is going to go, uh, it's going to shoot out due to pressure and fluid is always going to escape out the hole. Uh, there's some mad science that happens in that process of the sealant escaping that we can't really talk about. Um, but with that said, if you get a big nail or puncture in your riding and it doesn't seal up, sometimes you have to get off the bike, put it down so that the sealant starts to come out and then rotate it back up. And actually the sun is your friend, uh, put it in the sun and it'll help speed up that process of vulcanizing the latex into rubber compound, uh, and creating that permanent plug. If it still seems to be leaking out at a greater rate than looks like it's going to be able to seal, is the, is, should the rider be looking at a tire plug kind of solution in that scenario? I would, if it was me, I'd give it a couple of whirls. I mean, your air pressure is going to drop um, a little bit. Uh, I, have, I ride typically 80 PSI. And I have gone down to 40 PSI before with a really large slice. Um, there are, I mean, center of tread, more than likely it's going to seal if you just put this, rotate it down, let the sealant come out, rotate it back up, let it dry, let it go back down, get more sealant, come up, let it dry. If you're up for that a couple of times, I have sealed up some pretty big slices that way. Um and I, I, full disclosure, I was out on a ride recently, and I took a piece of glass, uh, center of tread, and uh, guess what? I forgot to check my sealant before I left, and 
I definitely flatted. And it's the first time in eight years I forget to put tubes in. Uh, I had to call for sag wagon because all I forgot to do, I just forgot to check my sealant and it was dry. Yeah, it's going to happen. Does the, does the sealant sort of efficacy change or um, evaporate when I'm, when I'm in hot conditions versus cold conditions? Yes, most definitely. The What people don't realize is we do recommend uh, probably a larger amount of sealant uh, on initial use and top-offs uh, because what people don't realize is it's sealing up porosity, so it's using sealant right away. It's sealing up the imperfections in the tire bead mating surface, and then you're going to get punctures that you don't even know about. The clot, the hot and cold climates, the arid climates, all that affects the rubber, which expands and contracts at different rates. So of the tires, so definitely um, the frequency you ride at, the air pressure you ride at. And that's why we always recommend, we haven't talked about initial setup. When you set up a tire initially, um, traditionally, there's been videos circulating where you put the sealant in and then you turn the tire on one side, rotate it on the other side, spin it around. In our opinion, all that sealing up is the imperfection in the tire bead mating surface. What we recommend is when you first put the sealant in, uh, air it up to get your bead set. Make sure you go around and look at the bead on both. Make sure it's completely seated. Uh, usually takes 40 or on a, on a gravel tire up to uh, 80 PSI maybe. And then drop it back down to your riding weight, but don't exceed the manufacturer's uh, maximum air. Drop it down to your riding weight, 35, 40 PSI, and then go ride it. Because that pressure and rolling over obstacles creates, it opens up the pores of the tire on the sidewalls. And we want to feel that porosity up. Uh, and that will ensure uh, long-term success of your tire sealing up internally. So is that recommendation basically like get work on your, your sealant and tire setup and then go for a quick ride immediately afterwards? Yep. Okay. Yep. And do, do lazy eights. If you can't go very far, if you've just got five minutes to go out and do lazy eights, uh, make sure your tire pressure is down low and that'll really get that tire flexing and pulling in sealant to where it needs to be. Gotcha. Okay, cool. And obviously, there's uh, there are other sealants on the market. Is it a bad policy to mix sealants if you had you know you set up one with one brand and then you happen to have some other around? Well, uh, sometimes when you're in dire need and you forget and you're low or it's not sealing properly, I mean you got to do what you got to do. If you need to mix sealants, mix them. Uh, it's you're going to get mixed results. It's not the last guy that was in that's the failure or success. It's um, it's a combination of them. As a general rule, we don't recommend um, mixing sealants because it does change the properties of sealants. But if you're in a bind, definitely mix them. Or if your buddy's low and he's going to have another sealant in there, definitely want to give him some orange seal. It's going to help. That makes sense. I was just going to say, now, within our formulas, 
the regular, the endurance, and sub, you can mix R within R range. Now, if you mix endurance and regular, you're going to get a hodgepodge of longevity and faster sealing. Just note that. And with with when you mentioned longevity, is that extending the amount of time? Like if I'm if I'm checking every thirty days, am I now checking every forty five days because of the endurance formula, or is it formulated yes, around something else? No, that's exactly right. Uh, we have seen up to one hundred and eighty days with our endurance, but I still say it's you know you just don't know how many punctures you get while you're riding, or if your tire pressure was really low and you use more. Uh, in the bead or whatever. I mean, I just recommend for endurance, checking it about every 45 days with regular every uh, 15 to 30 days and sub-zero, you can check that every 60 days. Okay. Yeah, it's something I really need to drill into my own head is just this idea that the sealant is constantly working, whether it's because I've got a porous tire or there's micro cuts coming in here and there when I'm riding. You kind of only think about the sealant when you get that gaping hole where it's spraying sealant and finally seals. But I, I really readily acknowledge after this conversation that clearly like there's a lot going on with sealant every single ride. Yeah. And I, I appreciate that. I mean, most users just don't realize how, how, uh, how that works. Yeah. And I think if you, you know, what, what I've learned over the years is I've finally acquired the right equipment to deal with, uh, with sealant and tires set up is, you know, once you have that valve core remover, once you have a, a, you know, a bottle with the appropriate applicator on it, like you've described with the, with the orange seal product, it can be really easy to just pop the core out, top it off and be on your way. It doesn't have to be a real long involved maintenance session. No, I mean, I was really mad at myself because I spent an hour sitting on the side of the road and I could have just, if I had just checked my sealant that this morning, it would have taken me 10 minutes, literally. And I would have saved an hour sitting on the side of the road waiting for someone to bring me some uh, sealant or a tube or a ride home at that point because, you, you, I mean, your muscles are done after sitting for an hour. Yeah, hopefully this conversation is just going to be a reminder for everybody to go in their garage and find a bottle of sealant and make sure they're topped off. Most definitely. And I do want to go back just a little bit. So I know there's a big push in today's market for uh, tubeless, uh, but there are some users that just are don't want to make that switch yet or don't have the wheel set. They have the tires, whatever. You can run tubes and you can run our sealant in tubes if you have a removable valve core. Now, it's not going to give you the same level of protection, but it's going to be better than not having any sealant because we have sealed up numerous punctures inside of a tube on a tire, on a, on a, inside of a tire. Yeah, that makes sense. I know, like, for, for me, like, I've got an electric cargo bike that just is not set up for tubeless, but I don't care about any extra weight. It might as well have as much protection inside that inner tube as possible. Exactly. I mean, if you're running an e-bike or a cargo bike, I definitely would have removable valve cores because those are so heavy and they're kind of just miserable to change a tire on anyway. You definitely want to remove that valve core and inject uh, some sealant in there, our yeah, sealant. Absolutely. 
Well, before I let you go today, John, I want to acknowledge Orange Seal's commitment to the sport and supporting racers. I mean, it's it goes it should go i should i wanted to mention it because i think it not every company invests so heavily in the sport as you guys do you support two big gravel athletes Payson and and Hannah that have had a great year despite being in the pandemic they've done some great things why why do you invest so heavily in these athletes yeah it's a great question you know it took us uh five years to really understand why we wanted to create a team and look into sponsorship and it's really just about why we went into the sealant business it's about creating a problem-free ride as far as the tubes and the flats go and we just love investing in hannah and payson our phenomenal people first and foremost and we have so many other ambassadors uh, that use our sealant and we just appreciate the fact that they are very human and just enjoy having a good ride with people and not worry about changing flats and they can hand it out with um confidence that when they give it to somebody and recommend it, that it's going to perform where it needs to be. Yeah, it's great. It's great seeing the team out there uh, at the gravel events when they're, when they're going on. I was really excited watching them both in the mid South pulling off the victories. It was just a great battle across the day. It was really fun to see. Oh, it was so much fun. I'm still pulling mud out of the Jeep um, a year, almost a year later. Uh, But, I mean, that was Hannah's first uh, gravel race. And she was, when she came across the line, she was so empty because she was running on empty for the last two hours. And Payson, uh, it's a good thing he had practiced his cross skills um in the off season carrying his bike and running through mud i mean it was just that event and all gravel events they're just so uh it's about community it's about the experience it's about having fun it's about helping each other and um hannah i mean when she first came to us uh she wanted to only focus on mountain bike and we we talked about compromising and what we explained the perils of gravel racing and the gravel community. And she said, I definitely want to be a part of that. And so she is um, definitely putting gravel into her agenda, even though she's focused on world cups, which is two different spectrums for an athlete. And uh, she absolutely loves the gravel scene as well as pace. And uh, we've got, big plans for them next year. And hopefully, you know, I mean, that's, what's nice about Hannah and Payson is they can go out and compete at the elite level, but they're also hanging out in the booth and having fun chatting with others about the perils and fun of highs and lows of gravel racing and the community and the gravel is just so it's about community. And Bobby, he's, uh, I like his, his title. He's the, master of stoke out there it's kind of funny yeah that's the attitude i want from a race organizer for sure it's been fascinating to me to see as gravel evolves how certain events are going to favor athletes that have more of a mountain bike background 
And I remember watching the coverage for Mid-South and seeing when Payson was battling Peter Stetna, seeing Payson's differing techniques in riding and how he spent a little time in the creek rinsing his bike out and how he sort of was gingerly shifting because he had that memory of we've all been in that sloppy mountain bike mud and knowing that you can't treat your bike like it just came off the the mechanics rack at that point you really got to be a little bit more gingerly with it and you know the results spoke to that fact when he crossed the finish line first yeah, I mean, uh, I remember catching some of the highlights of the race organizer um, photography team, and they were talking about how bike, how clean their bikes were during the race, and we had really put a lot of thought into tire preparation, tire choice, uh, weight, uh, tire pressure. Tire pressure makes a world of difference when you're, whether you're on mud or dry roads. Um, and we played with all that the day before, and then we had a, a pit crew that did a phenomenal job at the halfway point where we cleaned the bikes and lubed the chains, and and we know from past experiences uh, you want to shift minimally in heavy mud, uh, but, I mean, to SRAM's the testament of the axis system, uh, when Payson's dunking his completely battery-operated electronic system in a creek and it runs flawlessly and he's still riding that that same componentry, everything, and it worked flawlessly after dunking it in that muddy water. And it was it was so caked up with mud and he didn't rip a derailleur off. So it's we have phenomenal uh, sponsors. And we could not do it without their support. So it's really a, it's a team effort that goes into it. And Payson was cheered on just by all the other riders and, and the people out there. It's, that's what gravel is about. It's about community and it's about everyone being there supporting everyone. And you can have your elite racers, you can have your, um, weekend warrior racers you can have everybody comes out and just has a blast that's so much fun about gravel so true and i I really hope as i'm sure you do that 2021 we can have a safe and racing packed year um you know it's been sad with the covid pandemic this year that so many races had to be canceled or postponed but i'm optimistic in speaking to race organizers about some of the covid safe protocols they're putting into place and different ways in which we can make sure that we can congregate together but we can do it safely and consciously most definitely we're definitely praying and hoping for um you know things to come under control with the COVID epidemic and race promoters definitely get a a COVID plan in place because we definitely want to get out there. We miss the people. I mean, just not from a race perspective, but just hanging out and just having users come by and, and hang out in the booth and talk about whatever. I mean, why they're there and how much fun it is and what they're looking forward to and hanging out and talking with Payson and Hannah. Yeah, absolutely. So much fun. John, thanks for all the great information about Orange Seal and Sealant in general. I think uh, the listeners going to gain a lot from this conversation. Well, uh, it was my pleasure, and thank you for having me on. What you do as well. Um, I love listening to your podcast. You have a lot of great information, a lot of uh, great uh, insight from other people. So anytime, doors always open. We appreciate it. 
Big thanks to John for all the insights into tire sealant. I know I learned a thing or two, and the next thing I'm going to go do is check my tire sealant levels, because I guarantee I'm bone dry after this conversation. And a big thanks to you for spending a little bit of your time with me this week. If you're able to support the podcast, I'm about 30% through my own fundraising goal at buymeacoffee.com slash thegravelride. Your membership dollars really help offset all the costs in producing this podcast and are going to allow us to expand to new topics, new territories, etc. And if you're unable to make a financial contribution, ratings and reviews are hugely helpful in the podcast industry and our discoverability. So go on over to your favorite podcast app and leave us a review. And finally, if you're interested in connecting with other gravel and adventure cyclists, please send me a note for an invite to The Ridership, our new global resource for gravel and adventure cyclists. So that's it for this week. Until next time, here's to finding some dirt under your wheels. (laughs) 